everybody. Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. This is Paul. And this is Miss Kapow. And today's date is Miss Kapow. June 26, 2017. Right on. Continuing with our Enochian studies, we're going to talk about economic collapse. Can you believe it? Economic collapse. Prophesied in the book of Enoch, the ancient book of Enoch, the words that were given to the patriarch, the seventh from Adam, Enoch, that he wrote down, handed to his sons and their sons and to Noah, surviving the flood and these works influencing our entire scriptural base. That's just the way it is. It's a wonderful, wonderful work. We're going to talk about the six mountains in Enoch chapter 52. Chapter 52, verses 1 through 9. That's the entire chapter. The six mountains and how they relate to economic collapse. So let's begin, Ms. Kapow. All righty. The reading of Enoch. Okie dokie. Here it goes. Then, as I began to awake from the vision... I saw mountains, one of iron, one of copper, one of silver, one of gold, one of soft metal, and one of lead. I asked the angel who was with me, what are these I now see? All these are prepared for the Messiah who will come, for he will be strong and powerful when he comes to the earth. The angel of peace also said, be patient and all shall be revealed to you by the Lord of Spirits. All these mountains you have seen will be as wax before fire when the chosen one appears. As water falls from a cliff, so will these mountains fall at his presence. Also, the gold and silver of men will not save them. They will not even be able to flee. Iron for war, nor metal for a breastplate, nor bronze, nor tin, nor lead will be of any use. All these will be worthless when the Chosen One appears in the power of the Lord of Spirits. And that's the end of that. All right. So it's a very short chapter. And what you get here is six mountains made out of various metals, metallurgy, right? Mm -hmm. You have gold, you have silver, you have soft metal, you have lead, you have copper. And what this particular chapter is saying is that the watchers, the kings of the earth, the fallen ones, the ones that are supposed to, the watchers, right? The ones that are supposed to guide mankind. Some do well, some don't do well. But these kings of the earth that have rebelled against God, in this chapter, it's revealing that they have taken these metals from the earth and have gained riches and wealth from these metals. In fact, in the earlier writings of Enoch in the book of the watchers, it talks about the things that the fallen angels taught men and the daughters of men. And some of the things that they taught the forbidden knowledge was to make weapons of war, making iron and lead and breastplates and things like that to kill each other. So it is talking about these mountains that are made of different metals. 
and the metallurgy that the fallen ones have taken to become rich and powerful. And it's saying that all of these mountains of metal are going to melt like wax before a fire and water that just flows down from a mountain. And all these kings of the earth, these angelic, spiritual, supernatural beings, the powers of the air and principalities will become powerless before our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, our Messiah. And that's a wonderful thing. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Amen. And when that happens, when Jesus Christ returns in judgment, folks, nobody, nobody, not Donald Trump and his billions, not Putin and his millions, not the richest men and women in the world, not Bezos from Amazon, gold or silver won't help them. You know, um, in Proverbs 11, 4, it says, riches profit not profit not in the day of wrath. And you know, I was looking at that and it's just, I used to think it was just money, but it's all the riches, even the, the um, elements that they've made for weapons. Yes. And their businesses mm-hmm. and their might and their power. Mm-hmm. Those are all riches. Mm-hmm. And it's all going to disappear. They're not going to be able to escape or Messiah when he comes back in wrath. He's going to come back this time, not as a suffering servant, Mm-mm. but as a mighty king. Amen. You ready for that, folks? Are you ready? Let's get ready. Because when he comes, all these metals are going to melt. I'm not talking symbolically. I'm talking realistically. These are the words of God. Mm-hmm. And there will be no iron for war, nor shall one clothe oneself with a breastplate. The kings of the earth, America, Syria, Iran, North Korea, Russia, China, the kings of the earth will not be able to make war. It'll all be gone. They can't, nothing could be serviced from metals anymore because they're all going to melt. That's when Jesus Christ comes back. Now, you're listening to me going, really? And we're going to show you, yeah, really. But before we show you, yeah, really, I want to play for you a short audio clip about the ancient mound builders here in America. And this is from a YouTube video that's very interesting. It's up. It's called Mysterious North American Giants, and it's uploaded by Comex, C-O-M-E-X, Joe. J-O-E. Mysterious North American Giants. And it is a lecture given by, I don't know who it, who's given it, but the guy is a stonemason. Not a Freemason, a stonemason. Someone who actually works with stones. And he, he's researching all these archaeological digs and mounds and things like that. But I want you to listen to the short clip, what he says about these ancient people. He says specifically, not in this clip, but in the video, that they're a different species. They're not 
Native Americans. They're not Indians. They're a different species. Well, we know what they are. We know they're the Nephilim. We know they're the fallen ones. We know that they're the, the children of the fallen ones, or both. They're supernatural beings. They're the mighty men, the men of renown mm-hmm. that built these things and these mounds and these temples and rituals. It's a hidden side of America you're never taught in school. It's amazing. But the thing I want you to key in on is what he says about the metals of the earth. And then think back what we just read in Enoch. Another so uh, thing that the mound builders did, they extracted between 500 million and 1.5 billion pounds of the purest grade copper on earth from the upper peninsula in Michigan. Now, scientists and engineers estimated that it would take 10,000 men a thousand years to extract that much. So this is a civilization we're talking about. This isn't, you know, uh, hunter-gatherer stuff. This is mind-boggling sophistication. And when the Smithsonian led the charge to open the, the earthen mounds and the burial mounds of the mound builders, from like 1850 to 1910, and this is some of what was recovered. Uh, Advanced metallurgy, iron implements, uh, hardened copper. This looks like, uh, actually, a couple of these look uh, Mesoamerican to me. A shell gorget from Georgia. Sophisticated, really uh, beautiful artwork. The Princess of Astalan, Astalan, Wisconsin. In a burial mound, they found... uh, the burial of a queen or a princess, and 2,000 polished shells were embedded and interwoven um, in her garments. And everybody has different disciplines here. Some people could say, oh my God, the metallurgy. Some people could say fabric making. That's very sophisticated also, or the polishing of uh, shells. Okay, did you catch that? That scientist and archaeologist have stated that it would take 10,000 men 10,000 years to remove the amount of copper that this ancient species did. That's so amazing. It's incredible. Really? And you know it's not humanly possible. Mm-mm. It's not humanly possible. So we know who these, uh, these creatures are. They're the fallen ones. They may be... Um, the Nephilim, they may be the sons of the fallen one. Anyway, they're hybrids. They have something to do with the fallen angels. And it's interesting that Enoch talks about these six mountains of metal and that this lecturer is talking about these ancients taking so much metal from the earth and that even experts would be fascinated at the metallurgy mm-hmm. <laughs> that's made. Okay. Is that amazing? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So, now let's go to the Bible to show, as usual, that we're not just talking crazy. There's going to be an economic collapse, folks. Now, obviously, when the Lord comes in wrath, if the sky falls and a big meteorite or asteroids, whatever, hits this earth, and everything goes down, the grid goes down, obviously, the economic collapse will go with that i mean that's kind of an obvious thing so i'm not telling you how it's going to happen i'm just telling you it's going to happen you can't put trust in riches and these people that are kings of the earth that have bought and sold us into slavery here on this prison planet are going to pay their due 
mm-hmm. when the Lord returns. So let's look at Daniel, the book of Daniel, chapter 2. And I'm going to start with verse 36. And this has the portion of Scripture where Nebuchadnezzar had the dream about the, the, uh, the statue and the different kingdoms of the earth. So pay attention to this because these are like the mountains. I just, these are like the mountains that we just read. Verse 36 says, this is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings for God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath given unto thy hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon is the head of gold. That is the purest kingdom ever, ever to have existed. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. See how they get more and more inferior. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. That's Rome, by the way. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. That, in my opinion, is a hybridization of the human. It's iron. It's the uh, the Roman Empire that never ceased to exist. America is still the Roman Empire. It never ceased to exist. And in those days of those kings, the days we live in now, they mix their seed with men. It's a hybridization. You can see them all over TV. <laughs> they're hybrids. You can see it. They're the kings of the earth. They're hybridization. And they're weak. That's why they go bonkers. That's why you don't hear from, uh, what's his name, Um, uh, the guy, uh, Kanye West. They go go crazy. It doesn't mix. Um, Verse 42, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. You get it? Humans and aliens don't mix. But you can see them. Look at their hands. Look at Obama's long fingers. Look at Joe Biden's long fingers. Look at a lot of these actors and people that real long alien hands. <laughs> That's just a little. And check. some of them have six toes and six, six fingers. Six toes. Haley Berry and Holly Berry, whatever her name is. And their eyes, too. They, they got those alien eyes. Uh, you, you, can, you can see it. Verse 44, uh, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. That's the kingdom of Christ, people. Mm-hmm. And that shall never be destroyed. Amen. There's never going to be anything after Christ's kingdom. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Amen. So the kingdom that's coming, the kingdom of Christ is going to consume from Babylon down to Medo-Persia, down to Greece, down to Rome, down to the mixture of miry, miry clay. Mm-hmm. 
For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So this is a fact. It's not going anywhere. This is exactly what's going to happen. And it goes along with the six mountains. Because the six mountains are these these kings of the earth that have amassed wealth through the metals of the earth. And here's this statue made out of what? Metals. Metals of the earth. They're kingdoms. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that Enoch talks about six mountains. And if you look at... Um, if you look at Daniel, you can see that he's talking about five metals. Unless you add the very last clay, which is not a metal with it, because the iron's mixed with the clay, then you have six. So you have six mountains and you have six metals with the clay in Daniel. And you almost have... I mean, you almost, you almost have a, a, a likening unto a 666, the number of the beast, which is of a man. Mm. He who has wisdom, let him think about that. You know, right. I, in uh, verse 45, where it says, and the dream is certain and the inter- interpretation thereof sure mm-hmm. comes to mind this scripture in Proverbs twenty-one thirty, where it says, there is no women, women, there is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. You, you can't, yes. Very good one. You, you can't refute what God is, has revealed. Exactly. You can't refute it. His word will be fulfilled. Yes, period. his word will be f- fulfilled. It's strong. It's sure. Your, um, your little theological debates, your trying to reason things out, doubting, all, none of that matters. When God says it, it will stand. It's sure. It is a sure thing. It will come to pass. So you are looking at economic collapse. Now, if you're a believer, you are not appointed to wrath. And when I say believer, I mean a believer in the words of God. I don't mean just someone who professes Christianity. I mean someone who believes in the way the words of God And the words of God affect their lives in a way that they behave and guide their lives according to the words of God, which are in them. Mm -hmm. That's why the word of God says, be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. Amen. And it's not ritual and it's not works. You do that which you look upon. You become that which you look upon. Look on the face of Jesus, and the things of this world grow strangely dim. Yeah. Amen? Even Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If you love him, Mm -hmm. there's the key. You love him and his words, you're going to obey what he says. You're not going to fight. You're not going to fight that. And if you're a believer, and a believer in the words of God, then you don't have to worry about economic collapse. Or the mountains melting and these mounds of metal as wax before a fire. Because you are not appointed to wrath. That is wrath of God punishing the unbeliever. That is not for you, the believer. 
Okay? So forget all this pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib nonsense. People get the tribulation mixed up with wrath all the time. You live in tribulation. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, your life is daily tribulation. You should be vexed at the gate of Sodom every day, just like Lot was. Your, your soul, your righteous soul should be vexed every day. This is tribulation. But wrath, you are not appointed to wrath. And those that think they're, they're going to be here during a wrathful situation will probably be here. Okay? Yeah, even um, in Acts, was it? Acts 14, 22 says um, that we must go through much tribulation in order to enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. And that tribulation, that much tribulation, isn't at the end of the age. It's now, now in your Christian walk. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Powell, if you'll take Daniel 7, verses okay. 3 through 14. All right. And the four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Now after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold... There came up one, I'm sorry, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thorns were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery steam stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. 
See how that goes with Daniel 2, and it goes with Enoch, not just chapter 52, but Enoch in general. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand the book of Revelation, you cannot read it as a standalone book. Revelation is the most Old Testament book in the New Testament. You have to read it in light of the other prophets, but you have to read it in light of Daniel. It, it's, you will recognize, as Ms. Capel read, a lot of revelation in this, beasts coming, um, so you have to understand that and to understand Daniel and Revelation, you need to understand Enoch. You need to read it all. These are the words of God. Amen. So you can't just take a portion of it and then think you're going to understand that without taking the whole. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the important part here, and this is very Enochian, is that. You know, Daniel is watching till the thrones are cast down. In other words, those mountains are melting as wax. That big statue that we just talked about in Daniel 2 is falling when that stone hits its feet. And the Ancient of Days, that's Yahweh, that's God, that's the Lord of Spirits. And he is like a firing flame. His wheels are burning fire. And thousands of people are, you know, thousands of angels and stuff are standing around worshiping him. And the books are open, these books of life and everything's open. But now there's a, a son of a man that's brought to him. And then that son of a man is given judgment and domin- dominion um, over all of these kings of the earth. Okay, and that's Enochian. I behold, you know, I I saw one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to to Yahweh. He came to the Lord of Spirits, the Ancient of Days. And it was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom. Okay. And then his kingdom was never destroyed. So Daniel 7, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. Let me explain something real quick. Daniel is written in two languages, in Aramaic and in Hebrew. Chapter 1 of Daniel is Hebrew. Chapters 2 through 7 are in Aramaic. Chapters 8 and beyond are back in Hebrew. When you're reading the chapters... In Daniel, plus they're at a chronological order, by the way. You, you can't read Daniel. and They're not in chronological order with who was the king at the time. So there's a reason for that, because Daniel is thematic. He's talking about the themes. He doesn't care about the chronological history. He's talking about the themes. When you're reading the, his, the Hebrew portions, chapter 1, and then 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, those Chapters are for Israel. They're in Hebrew. They're for Daniel's people in his holy city, like we talked about last week in Daniel 9. When you read the chapters 2 through 7, they're written in Aramaic. They're written, written for the world, for the Babylonian, for the Persians, for the world, for the Gentiles. That's why you see the kingdoms. You see the, the big statue with all the kingdoms. And you see these beasts coming up. These are world kingdoms. 
that are predicted. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. When you understand that, you can understand the book of Daniel better. You'll understand Revelation better. And you need to understand Enoch to get the whole, the whole big picture of everything. Amen? Amen. Okay, you have another one, Ms. Kapow? Um, Psalms 2 through 12? Yeah. Okay. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with an rod of iron, and thou shalt dash them in pieces like potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. So even the Psalms, even Psalm two makes more sense now in light of Enoch, doesn't it? Yes. Because if you, you've never read Enoch, you don't know what the kings of the earth are. And he says, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing, an emptiness. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers, they all take counsel together against who? The Lord of spirits and his anointed. Who is that? That's our Messiah. That's our son of man. That's Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It makes sense when you understand Enoch and when you understand Daniel. Now revelation will pop out. You won't have problems. Because you're getting the truth from the scriptures. Not from tradition or the teachings of other men. Or just repetitive teaching, repetitive error over and over. You're getting... The real truth. That's what I mean by believing in the words of God. That makes sense? Amen. Amen. Okay. How about Micah? Micah 1.4 And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. Can I also read Na- um, a scripture in Nahum? Because I think that's pretty cool. Of course. I wrote it down. It's uh, Nahum 1.5, and it says, The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence, yes, the world, and all that dwell therein. And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. I just thought that was very... It's, it's the same thing. And, and once again, I and make my point. You see how it all flows together when you get the totality of the words of God, mm-hmm. the words of God. You have to mine them out. It's a precious jewel. The words of God are like a precious pearl found in your garden while you're digging or in a field while you're digging. And so you did, you, you, you hide it. So no one, so no one will steal it. 
And you go and you purchase that field Mm -hmm. because you know what's in it, right? It's like treasure. It's treasure. And you have to treat it as treasure, as such. The words of God, not the traditions of men, Mm -hmm. not the error that just keeps repeating, you know? Um, I don't even want to talk about the, the... the Bible and how that's been corrupted by all these idiots since that would be another good study. That's, oh my because gosh. Because that is a show in itself. Yeah. The stuff that we've learned is amazing. It is. You get, just get yourself an old King James 1611 Bible. Quit making the excuse. I don't understand it. Just don't be an idiot. Just read it and start studying it and let the Holy spirit show you because if you're reading anything else, I'm not saying you're not going to get biblical truths out of it. But they're designed to lead you astray. And eventually, they're going to confuse you mm-hmm. because they leave Scripture out or they reinterpret it. Okay? That's a whole nother show. Seriously. So, this is what we want to show you. So, when we talk about Enoch, we're not just talking about some ancient book and, you know, oh, it's just fun to talk about this. We're talking about the words of God. And every time we've done a show, uh, this is like the 11th one, I believe, We always back it up with biblical scripture. We don't just talk out of that book and make things up. We always back it up with scripture to show it. This is another show that 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 does that. So we're talking about the upcoming economic collapse. The kings of the earth who depend on the metals, copper to make coin, gold for wealth. And whatever metal, iron for war, all of that is going to melt and disappear. They're not going to have anything or anywhere to run. You have to know that. It's all going to collapse. And that's how it's going to collapse. It's economic collapse. It's prophesied long ago. So sit back and watch it happen. But if you're a believer, you're not a children of wrath. Mm-hmm. Right, Ms. Capel? Amen. Do you have anything else to add on, on um, the mountains? No, that's it. Well, let's talk about believing and unbelieving. Oh, yeah. Can we do that? Yes, we can. Because I think we have two kinds of listeners mm-hmm. on this show. We really do. We have two kinds of listeners. You have believers and unbelievers. Now, believers are those who believe in God's words. There's only one kind of believer. You either believe in God's words or you don't. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe in God's words fully, then you're an unbeliever. You see what I mean? Right. There there is no gray area. You can't be a partial believer. Now, those who believe in God's words, here's some of the characters I think they should have. And maybe, Ms. Kapow, if you have more, you can add. I don't know. But I think those who believe in God's words love and embrace God's word. They love it. They love it. They find beauty in God's plans. Just like as we study Enoch and we see his big plans, the this, this, this 7,000-year plan or Enoch, Enoch's 10 weeks or Daniel's um, 2 and 7 talking about the world events. We love, we love God's plans. And then 3... Believers in God's word, they see the Messiah fulfilled. And, I, and we have actually kind of been accused of seeing Jesus in everything. You know, everywhere we look, we see Jesus. Like that's a bad thing. Um, 
because I can't see the Antichrist or I can't see the devil taking the glory of my Messiah. And finally, I just think that a believer is guided by the truths that are revealed by the Holy Spirit rather than traditions of men or anything like that. So let's go over that again, Ms. Kapow. All righty. Well, you know, um, when we are believers in God's word, it brings, brings to my attention the, the story about when Christ went to um, Capernaum in Luke, the story in Luke 7. Uh-huh. And there was a certain centurion, and his son was sick. And um, then he had asked his his um, people, basically, to go get Christ and have him come and heal his son. But then he said, um, basically, that he isn't worthy to have the Lord come into his home. But he said that, um, he goes, but just say the word and my son will be healed. And so Jesus tells him that um, basically that um, he, he couldn't believe the guy's words because the guy said, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And if I say to one, go here or go there, they do it because he has the authority over them. And so when Jesus had heard him say these things or when he heard that he had said these things, it's, the word says he marveled at him and said to the people that were following him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So the Lord actually was um, greatly marveled about this guy's faith because he just believed his word when he said, just say the word and I know my son will be healed. Yes. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good reference to that. Mm-hmm. And then when you were talking about the other point here, that we are to love and embrace God's word. Mm-hmm. I have a scripture here, if I can mm-hmm. find it. I'm sorry. It says here in 1 John 2, 5, that says, But if anyone obeys his word, love, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him, when we believe his word. And then uh, John 1, 3, 8 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So again, it's like if we believe, if we love God, we will believe and do his word. Mm -hmm. Like you said earlier. If uh, you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Yeah. And doers, not just hearers. Exactly. Yeah. And then when it says, uh, point two, when you says that, um, believers actually find beauty in God's plans. I found a scripture in Psalm 92, 4 that says, For thou, Lord, has made me glad through thy work, mm-hmm. and I will triumph in the works of thy hands. I thought that was a very beautiful scripture. Yes. And then the fourth part, part where you said that we would be guided by the Holy Spirit as he reveals truth to us, that's in John sixteen thirteen, where it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Yes, and you know, that goes with seeing Messiah fulfilled in everything. Mm-hmm. See Jesus in everything, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He can only point to, to the Lord, never to himself, or to works, or to experiences, or to 
you know, ritual or doctrine, only to God, to Christ, you know? Yeah. And then when you, we see the fulfillment of Christ, we see Christ in everything. Psalm 19.8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So when we follow after the Lord and we follow his word, then our eyes are opened. Yes. So he doesn't open our eyes first and give us understanding before we believe. He does it after we believe and walk in his word. And that brings us to the next point is, are you the kind of person that's saying, I'll believe it when I see it? Or are you the kind of person that says, um, I'll see it when I believe it? Mm-hmm. Where's the faith, in the front or in the back? Right. Well, we have the story in uh, John 20 about doubting Thomas, and I'm going to read that. Right. We start in verse 24. It says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands and pr- the print of his nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach here thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach here my thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. Thomas is the luckiest man that ever lived, because he actually had the Lord Jesus Christ correct him had thomas lived in another century or never walked with christ as part of his inner circle he would have said i'll believe it when i see it unless i can thrust my fist through that bleeding gaping hole i ain't gonna believe it and he would have died an unbeliever so he's very fortunate that christ had that kind of grace and compassion on him after the resurrection, mm-hmm. he's the luckiest guy in the Bible. Yeah. And then in Matthew 1, uh, 16, 1 through 4, it has to do with having to see, having to have signs mm-hmm. before you can believe. It was the Pharisees, also with the Sadducees, Sadducees, came to Jesus and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And Jesus says, when it is evening, ye shall say, it is fair weather. For the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. And he says, O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but ye cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And then he left him and departed. Wow. So like we said last week, if you're looking for the Antichrist to sit in the third temple in Israel, and Israel's your time clock, and you have plenty of time because God is not done with Israel, I think you're looking for the wrong signs. Mm-hmm. I really do. I really do. Is there, you have any more, that was an excellent scripture, by the way. Good Those find. were the only ones I had for okay. the, that portion. Okay, that, was, that was excellent. So we have unbelievers. You know, you have on the far extreme people who are atheists or agnostics, or they're Satanists, they hate God. And we we know, we have no problem doubting 
that they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. An atheist or an agnostic, a Satanist, a hater of God is not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven at all. So there are unbelievers. But when you read these scriptures about unbelieving and unbelievers, I don't want you just to think about those people mm-hmm. because there are Christians, profession, professing Christians that are good people. They're religious people. They're traditionalist, but they doubt God's word. They, they don't embrace all of God's word. Mm-hmm. Are they going to enter? I'm going to leave that up to you to answer. You know, um, I have two scriptures that will support both of those. One is for the atheists and the agnostics, um, the haters of God. Mm-hmm. And that's found in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, where it says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then the other scripture is found in 1 John 2.11, which I believe um, speaks about believers that don't believe. He says, he says, But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and knows not whether he goes, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, is there's there's some scriptures and I don't know if you if you if you have this. There's one in Revelation that talks about unbelievers or the faithless. Yes. Not entering. It's Revelation 21, 7 through 8. He okay. says, he that overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, unbelieving and the abominable, the murderers, harmongers, sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Well, it's interesting that he puts faithless and unbelievers, coward, along with murderers and adulterers and everything else. Mm-hmm. And Titus one fifteen says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is de- defiled. So there are Christians, there are religious people, there's traditionalists, but they doubt God. They'll, they'll believe it when they see it. They doubt the words of God. Uh, there's only one kind of believer. You either believe or you don't, and there's only really one kind of unbeliever. Mm-hmm. You either believe or you don't. Do you have any other scriptures on that? No, that's it. Well, I, w- I want to just say... To the listener, because we do have two kinds of listeners. We have those who believe and those who who don't believe. Mm-hmm. And they may be listening to these Enochian studies going, well, that's nice. It's a nice history book. And eh, I'm not real sure. And even though we present a huge amount of scriptural support for what we're talking about. And then there's others who fully embrace it. I mean, we know we're getting emails from people. um, one gal, her her boyfriend, who's an unbeliever in the first sense, is now uh, interested because of these Enochian studies, and she's translating our messages to him. Mm-hmm. And he's very interested. We pray he finds the Lord Jesus Christ in this stuff. And he has. He has. He has become a believer. I did not know that. Yeah, he has. And um, so wow. that's why she's... she's um, translating the things you know that our shows and stuff like that so that um as she's doing that as she's translating our shows and reading the word to him and stuff a lot of the um things that have 
built up in his mind and mm-hmm. his belief system is being torn down by the power of God because he's believing exactly he's believing wow I did not know that he uh, became a follower of the way amazing and that's through these Enochian teachings he saw Christ right mm-hmm. oh my goodness see what I'm saying so you know I want you as a listener to act to you know really Assess your level of risk. And I, and I just, I feel in my spirit to say this. Look at your risk from one being very low, very low risk of eternal life to very high risk of not obtaining that eternal life. Okay? One to ten. An atheist or a Satanist or any of those people, a hater of God, they're going to be on a scale on the low end of one. You know why? There's no risk to them, to their lifestyle. There's no risk that they're taking because they're not obtaining eternal life. They're not entering into the kingdom. So they don't believe anyway. They hate God. So there's no risk for them. Mm-hmm. They're dying and going to hell anyway. And then there's the believers, those who really believe in the word of God and the words of God. And like we talked about, are guided by those truths revealed by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They see Messiah. They see the beauty in God's plans. They love and embrace his word. Those folks are on the high end of risk. They're a 10. They they have a high risk for doubt and unbelief because they know that doubt and unbelief can prevent them from entering into the kingdom because they believe those scriptures, you understand? Mm-hmm. It's not because they're religious or they do they have to do works, it's because they believe God's word. Mm-hmm. I have three scriptures to support this okay. thought. Uh, Titus 3.8 says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. Then 1 Corinthians 9.27, uh, the Apostle Paul says, But I keep under my body and bring it to subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I, must, my, I myself should be a castaway. And then the last one is Second Corinthians three thirteen five, where the Apostle Paul says, "Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ in, is in you, except ye be reprobates." So, in other words, we're constantly checking and making sure that we are in the faith and that we're walking according to the um, commands of God. It's taking heed. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my, you know, one of my pet peeves is that once saved, always saved doctrine of demons. That you could just say a sinner's prayer and grace extends to you no matter what you do and blah, blah, blah. And you don't have to take heed. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. That's not what they say. Mm-mm. And so a real believer in God's word is constantly taking heed. They're constantly taking heed of their lives. And so because of that, they're on a scale of 10 of being the high risk. They do not want anything to come in the way of their eternal 
salvation. Yeah. They take care of the little foxes that come in. Yeah, exactly. The devils are the details, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we have a, we kind of have a third group. We have those people who are Christians. Like I said, they're traditionalists, they're religious, they're great people. Some of them are really good people. They're Christians. But they, they believe a large portion of the word, especially when it comes to their salvation and things like that. But there's other portions they don't believe in. Maybe miracles, maybe the casting out of demons, maybe uh, the sons of God, maybe with the daughters of men, you know, whatever. And so they doubt. They're kind of like doubting Thomas. They doubt. So on this scale, if it were possible, would put them on a five. They're not quite atheist, low risk. They don't care. They're not getting any way. And they're not high risk because they're not believers. They're just kind of fives, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're taking a chance with God's grace. You know what? I, I, I don't really want to believe that fully. I don't want to believe these Enochian texts fully. I don't really want to believe in economic collapse being prophesied and kings of the earth and that there's fallen angels and serpent seed and, and whatnot on this planet. Um, I just want to go through life like a big juggernaut, just doing my thing, and so I'll, I'll take a chance with God's grace on that on that last day. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk the line. I'm gonna be a number five. And w- what do you think those scriptures say about a number five? Well, I have Revelation three. Okay, it says and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. And that word spew means he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes life, that thou mayest see. And that reminded me of the story of the uh, ten virgins. And um, you know the story that they were mm-hmm. asleep, and then um, you know the, the the bridegroom was coming, so the virgins that had oil in their lamps were ready to go in, but the other ones that didn't, you know, they panicked and they told the other virgins, they asked the other virgins um, to give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the wise ones said, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. So go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And that goes back to Proverbs twenty three twenty three, which says, buy the truth and sell it not also wisdom and instruction and understanding. So those things are um, what we should be um, having in us already is wis- the wisdom of God and His truth and His um, instruction and His knowledge. That's keeping the oil burning in us. So those scriptures, as they refer to a five, a person who says, I'll just take a chance with God's grace and I'll believe well, most of it, but there's some I just won't believe. Mm-hmm. The scriptures clearly say there is no five. You're either a one or you're a ten, but a five is vomited out of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, Second Thessalonians 2.10 says, 
and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And then First Timothy one nine says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, and for manslayers. And then in uh, Psalm 9.17 it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Wow. And you can see through the scriptures, it covers the low-level ones, the atheists, the haters of God, and those fives that are actually in the church. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus himself in Revelation addresses the church of Laodicea. and says, you're lukewarm. Mm -hmm. You're a five. It's time to spew you out. Just food for thought. And our faith is the most important because Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, when I gave all my diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful of me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which, is, which was delivered unto the saints. And then First Peter 1.7 says that faith is more precious than the gold that perish, perishes. Oh, wow. Faith, belief, mm-hmm. pistio in Greek. Well, is that it, Miss Powell? Yes. Okay. Have a blessed week. Chew on those words. Take heed and take uh, account of your thoughts and of your heart while there's still daylight. Because uh, the darkness is impending very, very quickly. Amen. All right. Ciao, babies.